Welcome to A Spoonful of Podcast, where we dive into the magic of Disney destinations, searching for a great big beautiful tomorrow. Broadcasting from the backside of water. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 120 of A Spoonful of Podcast. I am your host, Evan Dickens, here with my co-host, Mr. Brian Galloway. Brian, how are you doing? Hey, Evan, how are you? Hey, Spoonies. Hope everybody's having a great new year. This is the That's first right. episode of the new year, and uh, we are ha- we, we have a really spe- we have a special guest, and, and this is a really special episode, and I'm so happy that it's happening, so... Um, I don't know. You want me to start, Evan? Go for it. Yeah, bring him so in. So I want to introduce. We have a guest. We have a really. I'm really excited about this, as you can tell. Um, I'm excited to have a guy who I consider a friend, and a person that I um, I met recently, but we 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 really hit it off really well. Um, Dr. Jen Anyo, um, who has one written a, an, an amazing book that we're going to talk about too, but also has a great perspective of Disney and and also. The other thing too that, and you guys all, you guys all hear me all the time talk about it, how big it is, Disney and family. And I think he's. This is where we kind of hit it off because we have a lot of the same values there. But, Jen, how are you? And uh, welcome to our show. Oh man, it's so exciting to be here. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Jen, I, I, get, I guess I'll go with the first question. This is my favorite one to ask, even guests that come on and do trip reports with us or whatever. Um, why Disney? Like why not even going into why Walt, why the book, why, I mean, none of that stuff yet, but just why Disney in general, have you, did you grow up going to the Disney parks or what made you first sniff out Disney? Um, you know, here's the thing is I actually did not grow up going to the Disney parks. My fascination for Disney did not begin until the book. So it's, it's, it really is, it's inseparable from the book because the book is a result of my love for Disney. But yeah, my love for Disney definitely, you know, I grew up with Disney movies and I'd been to the Disney parks for like grad night in California at Disneyland. But my fascination did not start ironically until I was an adult. So I'm an, I'm, I'm a late bloomer, I guess you could say to Disney. Well, we are actually have a lot in common. With that. Oh, that's so cool. So, yeah, yeah, I, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, good. I think the first time I went to Disney was at the end of 2014. And so I'm only, you know, I'm not, you know, was it? Gosh, that's nine years now. But, right? Wow, wow. I can't believe that. Okay. Good grief. Time is flying by. Um, but anyways, yeah, it, that's around when it was. And went actually, the first time I ever went to the Disney parks was on New Year's Eve, which is the busiest day period of, <laughs> yeah. of the park of the parks and uh i just i loved it you know the crowds didn't shoot shoot me away and i think i loved it for the reason why we all love it for you know that disney magic the cast members the interaction the storytelling the imagineering all birthed from walt himself and so that was interesting that you know we, we share that but also you know having the book was also shared with your your love for disney and and you know it coming from that spot yeah absolutely now, one one really, really, really cool trivia point is that 
Evan, he's been to Disneyland over a thousand times and Walt Disney World over 250 times. <laughs> what? So, yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, so, yeah, talk about late bloomers. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's not exaggeration either. That's literal. Okay. So, well, so people know, you know, we are predominantly just because of, of locale. Well, I guess locale. We are both East Coast. I'm Georgia. And of course, Brian's New Jersey. So we are by default more of course walt disney world veterans attendees that kind of stuff so it's cool that you were on the west coast so you will give that west coast disneyland perspective and i still haven't been brian has been a few times and you know i just i can't wait to go one day you know with the love for walt and that's where it all started oh. and you know just oh gosh you know tour, touring Walt Disney Studios, Imagineering, I, I want to do it all. Whatever, whenever I go the first time, I want to do everything. <laughs> yeah, you might as well. I know, right? Uh, but yeah, that's that, wow, that's crazy. So that many times. And <laughs> yeah, but that's cool because being a local, and we've talked about this, Brian, you know, Disneyland is so much more of a, a local-centered park. Not that locals don't oh, frequent Walt Disney World, but it, it, it really is. So going there, because of its locale, you know, Disney World has this bubble about it which i know disneyland too you're you're immersed in both areas but disneyland is also dropped not quote unquote but you know what i mean by this into the middle of a of a metropolis of an of an area that's surrounded by places and workspaces and it's easy just to get off work and go to disneyland for dinner or something like that whereas maybe orlando folks feel like it's a it's a trek you know up i4 <laughs> or something to to get to disney world so maybe it has something to do with that yeah, it, 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 you, it used to be easy to stop into Disneyland. Uh, and that's like initially that's why I've been there so many times. I used I, I literally would just stop off on the way home from work just yeah. to watch the fireworks or just to have dinner or something. Right. But, you know, with the way that the park has evolved and the business model has changed, it's it's not possible to do that anymore, unfortunately. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, those were the glory days. Yeah, that's true. One thousand times, one thousand times. It's just amazing. I, I just, and more than a thousand. So like, that's just to me, that's like unbelievable. But I, it, I'm so jealous. I think I've eaten Taco Bell a thousand times. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Maybe White, maybe White Castle. Yeah. Yeah, White Castle for you. Oh, yeah. I could do the White Castle too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh you yeah. See another reason why we get along. Um. So, so uh, let's talk about you know the, the one of the things that I, I I really um. I love is the fact that, you know, hey, you did the book with your daughter and, and that was a lot of what drove it to you, drove for you. But I mean, the book itself, it it, it has. And again, people, uh, we, we, we're, uh, we're talking about his book, it's Dreamers Do, Walt Disney's 10 Steps to Making Your Dreams Come True. And a terrific book. I, I highly recommend it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. we, we will post we will post links and we'll, we'll give you the opportunity to, to check it out. But what I like about it, and I'll, you know, I'm not going to. I'm not a book critic, so I'm not going to sit there and, and run. But I'm just going to tell you the things that I like about it is um, you talk about the history, you talk about real life, you talk about great events, uh, events that happened in your life, and you kind of put them all together in a great way to make it easier to read. And you don't get stuck. Sometimes I read some of these the books that are a lot of, you know, a lot of history, a lot of research. But then after a while, you're like, okay, I want to, I want to see some kind of story. But you you do a good job mixing them together, and, and I love that. And you have a purpose. Um, so can you just give us a little bit of uh, like like a background of how you did it and what 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 gave you the idea and um, how to how to how to set it up the way you did too? 
Yeah. Th- well, th- first of all, thank you so much for that feedback because, um, you know, this was probably the most difficult challenge in my entire life was writing this book. It took me five years to write on and off. And as you mentioned, I co-authored it with my daughter. So she's really grown up with the book. Hmm. Uh, she's 17 now, um, but the book really is her life story. So the background to the book is, um, as I had mentioned, I did not grow up with Disney. I wasn't a Disney f- fan growing up, but you know, I, I, I enjoyed Disney movies and, and, and so forth, but um, I've always been a dreamer and I've always like, you know, I've, I've been able to make my dreams come through with hard work and persistence. So like in terms of my career and other things that I've accomplished, but my greatest dream ever since I was young was to have a family of my own. And so um, in 2005, all my dreams felt like they were starting to come true. I graduated with my PhD in clinical psychology. I uh, moved back to California, which was one of my big dreams. Um, I, I established my dream career as a professor. Uh, my wife and I bought our first house. And most importantly, we, uh, my wife gave birth to my daughter, Genesis. And so finally, I felt like all of my dreams are finally starting to come true. But in the midst of all those blessings, uh, my wife, I'll give the edited version here. She flipped out, tripped out and skipped out. (laughs) And so I was left with my daughter, who was only 10 months old, not knowing what was going to happen. And so I bought an annual pass to Disneyland for the first time and took her to the park. And she couldn't even talk yet. And at the time, it was the 50th anniversary of the park. And they had a fireworks show commemorating it called Remember Dreams Come True. And it was narrated by Julie Andrews, who played Mary Poppins. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, yeah, I'm sitting there holding my daughter, watching this fireworks show, um, not really know, like uh, completely devastated, completely traumatized, not knowing what I'm going to do. Um, and really just kind of doing everything I can to hold it together and not break down crying because I was like devastated. Mm. Um, and you know how Disney, they don't just show fireworks. There's a story to everything that they right. do. So the narrative to that, like, you know, the, the, narr- the narration behind and the storyline behind that fireworks show was basically how Walt built Disneyland and the ultimate meaning of it was that no matter what happens, your dreams can come true. And so as I'm watching the fireworks show and listening to Julie Andrews speak about like, remember dreams come true, that really spoke hope back into my heart. And I, I broke down crying, but they weren't tears of agony anymore. There were tears of joy because I, really kind of got in touch with that childlike wonder that, and and I really, you know, became hopeful, but I didn't know a whole lot about Walt Disney at the time. So I um, started taking my daughter then to Disneyland. And this is why I've been there like over, like, you know, this was in 2005. And then we were annual pass holders for 13 years straight. And we literally went to the park every free moment I had. So uh, on average, three to five days a week. Because uh, we lived 20 minutes from Disneyland. And yeah. Like I said, we, I, I could stop by on the way home. It was phenomenal. And the thing is, as we spent more time in the park, 
it really was magical. And at first, it was really just an escape from the hardships that we were going through. But as we spent more time in the park, I really realized that it could also be an, an example. Um, and I didn't know too much about Walt Disney. And because of the way it made us feel, because of the hope that it inspired in us, I really became fascinated. I thought, what was it about Walt Disney that enabled him to create such a wonderful place, such a magical place, and accomplish the things that he did? So by training, I'm a psychologist, a clinical psychologist, and I really became fascinated. Like, what was it about his personality? What struggles did he go through? What characteristics did he have? What values did he live his life by that enabled him to accomplish what he accomplished? So I really studied his life from a psychological perspective, um, and I was able to identify these 10 qualities or characteristics, 10, 10 values that he lived his life by, and, um, and raised my daughter with those values so that she could make her dreams come true, despite the hardships that we were going through. And so the book, it's called Dreamers Do, and Dreamers Do is 10 letters, so each letter it's an acronym. So each letter stands for the first letter of each of the qualities that he lived his life by that enabled him to uh, make his dreams come true. And so as I studied, as I wrote the book, as I was thinking about writing the book, as you mentioned, Brian, there's a lot of books out there that, you know, ha have a lot of history. So I wanted to pay homage to history. I wanted to tell stories about Walt Disney, but I wanted to take it a step further <clears throat> and translate those stories for the reader so that it could be personally applicable and how they could follow Walt Disney's examples to make their own dreams come true or to overcome whatever struggles that they're facing and I live the life of their dreams. That's what I love yeah. about it because it's, it makes it easier to grasp and easier, easier to understand. And people who are not big into history will still love it. Yeah, yeah. And then so, I also the other thing that that is sort of unique about the book is that I also as a psychologist, you know, I'm really I was I, I'm a stickler for, you know, empirical research. So it's got a lot of inspiring stories, but I was very careful to also document with like some of the thick academic studies to to kind of verify a lot of the principles that I'm talking about. So it's not just fluff, but it's empirically validated principles that can help you overcome adversity and live the life of your dreams. That's awesome. So my, my brain, speaking of brains, going in several directions here, just of questions that are popping up. So, you know, I, I really think that no other destination can really in, inspire something like this in someone. I mean, it's definitely not another theme park destination. I mean, you, you, know, know, you, don't think, you don't think Peppa Pig World would do the same? Well, you know, I may, it may want me to, you know, go get a pig farm or something like that, become a farmer, you know? Right. Um, no, but we, we, Brian, we talked about Universal and the comparing Universal to Disney. And it's just, it's, there's, we determined and concluded that there is no comparison there. It's just different. It's, it's a different experience. It's different because of the approach that Disney takes to branding, to their business, to everything, to storytelling, to imagineering. It's just different. And um, definitely no Six Flags, no SeaWorld, no, no <laughs> other park you can go to is going to birth this sort of inspiration like you had, Jen. And 
it's not, I mean, I mean, you can have an artist walk into an art museum and, and see some art in, or aspiring artists or anything like that. And yeah, that can give you some inspiration, but there's just something about being on property. And that's what they call the Disney magic. Um, Cause yeah. we don't really know how to describe it. And I'm sure as a psychologist, you could break all that down, but there's just something about being immersed. And I think it is a sense of uh, being away from your troubles because you, you can't escape. You do enter this, this um, fabricated reality made by the Disney cast members, the Disney story, the Disney movies, shows, and specific park experiences too that births this um, surrounding where you're immersed and you you do forget some of the troubles. You know what, Brian and I talk about this a lot when, you know, you go on vacation. That's why Brian likes going on longer vacations and you know, <laughs> I, I do too because you can really unplug and just escape reality. And you don't worry about things at home. You're not worried about your job. You're not worried about this or that or whatever um, because you're able to escape. And there's not a lot of vacations that you can truly escape both physically, like you go sit on a beach, but also mentally in, in a way of going somewhere else in, in a way like that. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, so I, I, I want to ask, ahead, there's Brian. one thing I got to ask. This is, this is, I can't go through this show without asking this question because oh, no. so Evan, we, <laughs> no. We know, no, there are people that there are people that walk around and they say, say, Hey, I went to four parks in one day. I've done that. And I'm like, Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But me too. One of my favorite, one of my favorite chapters is where your daughter <laughs> talks about where Genesis talks about um, how you talked her into doing all, all six uh, U.S. based Disney parks in the same day. You got to tell Evan this story. You got to oh tell my listeners gosh. this story because this is <laughs> oh something. No. The next time somebody says I did all four parks in a day, we're just going to say, "Huh, what is that? That's nothing." <laughs> you know this guy Jim, who him and his daughter did all six parks in the same day. So, could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, this is this is something everybody has to hear. Oh yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun and exhausting day. Uh, so yeah, that, that, you know, in my book, there's a, there's a story, uh, there, there's a chapter on like taking action on your dreams. And so, you know, the idea came to me on a whim, honestly, it's, it's not a, you know, it's not something that I ever even thought of, but one day, like we were at, you know, cause we would go to, so we would go to Florida and we'd visit Walt Disney world resort on average about three to four times a year for like two to three weeks at a time. And it was like our second to last night. And, um, you know, we usually do kind of do like the try to do the four parks in one day on our on our last day. Sometimes right. we'll do that or, or, or whatever. Um, but our flights would always our flights back to California would always usually um, leave in the early morning. But for whatever reason, the itinerary on this time was that we weren't leaving until like 530 p.m. So you know, I just had this crazy idea that, you know, just, just for bragging rights, really, uh, <laughs> that we got to visit all United States Disney parks in one day. So, you know, we woke up at the crack of dawn in Florida and I didn't want to just walk into the park. I wanted to do at least a couple of our favorite attractions and shows. So we, you know, so we did all four parks at, at Florida you know, we, we did the opening uh, at the Magic Kingdom, the rope drop. And at the time, they used to have this Magic Kingdom welcome show at the yeah, train I station. That. I miss that. I miss that. Oh, I miss that. Like, yeah, it was too. such a wonderful 
show. I mean, we we're, we usually sleep in, but that day, like, you know, we, we had to catch that. And so we, we did that and we did like the Carousel of Progress and the People Mover. And then, you know, I forget the exact order, but we rushed over to see, um, I think it was Beauty and the Beast at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios. Oh, Evan's oh, my favorite show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we went to, and then we did like one of the rides, I think, of like, you know, uh, probably, uh, I forget which one, but like, you know, we did, so we did two main attractions in each park. We ended off with, Ep- at Epcot, drove straight to the airport around 3.30, jumped on a plane. And the benefit is because California is three hours behind. Mm-hmm. We landed at around like 9 p.m., and we're able to, we actually lost like the, the, the air, the flight, uh, we lost our luggage on the flight, but we didn't even bother looking for it afterward. We just like kind of checked in, uh, like left our name and then drove straight to the Disneyland resort, got in about <laughs> 10 o'clock, um, did a couple of, or actually we, we had to do California adventure first cause they closed earlier. So we did California adventure first, uh, did a couple of rides and then hopped right over to Disneyland and, uh, you know, closed out the park at midnight. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a really, really cool experience. Wow. What a long day too. Cause you're talking about, you also have the time zone difference, right? And, oh my goodness. You didn't sleep much. Well, you thought, did you sleep yeah. on the plane at least a little we bit? We got to, we got to rest on the plane a little bit, Yeah. but, oh, uh, yeah, my daughter, she was young. She was probably about 10 at the time and she was, you know, she was like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that again, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah. But I don't think you can place. do it again. No, everything has to fall into place. You have to have the the, yes. the, the flight on the right day, the flight leaving on time, the flight, flight arriving on time, um, the times the times of all the parks and make, making sure you can get around to each park. You know, it, you, there's so many things that have to fall into place to make that happen. But you did it, and you and you exactly. had it, you had it to enough to, to to spend enough time in each park too, which is even more amazing. Like you were, just yeah. It was about an hour in each hour in each Florida park. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, an hour in each park. <laughs> you know, both California and Florida. That's amazing. Yeah, even when you do four parks in one day, you do, you do want to be strategic about it, right? And typically, you know, you're not closing out at Animal Kingdom because everyone knows they close the earliest typically out of any park, so you have exactly. to get that one in early, right? And then you're either late staying at Epcot or Magic Kingdom typically or something like that. But it's it's pretty easy to do for – I mean, it's exhausting. But, yeah, <laughs> you're right. When you add in the extra two, that you, you can't really say much about that with a flight in the middle and lost your luggage. So that's a that's an ultimate one-up uh, <laughs> dinner table conversation, right? Isn't it? Isn't it? It's like no one can top that one. That's a, I mean, it's not much you can do unless you said you went to both water park. or. But, but I mean, how could you even possibly do that? I, yeah. I pull that off it'd be almost impossible yeah to yeah i mean i i mean you you couldn't add the water parks into that one and then now too wet going on the airplane like, like that was, <laughs> yeah. oh, no. it was all i mean now too like honestly you know just the way that they like again the, the business model has changed so like the way that uh like the disney parks you know even with parking and everything it's just it, it it's not even possible to do do stuff like that anymore you know like like the way that they change the park hours um like you know the disneyland resort sometimes like california adventure isn't even open that late anymore so right and you couldn't do that now anyways because you can't park hop until after two so you'd have to wait until that time and then fly back and do it so i don't even know if you could 
logistically even do it at all nope. anymore. No, not so, not with the reservation system. Absolutely right. not with the reservation yeah, system. Yeah, and with, with hopping and stuff. So that's cool. It's cool that you're able to say, hey, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so a question without, you know, giving the whole book away or something. You, you said that you were able to use these, um, you know, tips, tactics, strategies, whatever you want to call it, in your daughter's life. And it was, it able uh, Genesis to like, you know, grow up using these principles, you know, in, in her life. Yeah. So kind of give an example of that that maybe we can talk about. Sure. Um, so there's one. So, I mean, the way the book is structured is, uh, again, it's it's Walt Disney's 10 steps to making your dreams come true. And so it's got 10 chapters and each chapter starts with a story about the problem. Um, and then it starts with, and then, and then, uh, it talks about like the, the solution basically is the solution from all like stories about Walt Disney's life. And then I'll talk about like different principles and like the power of taking each step. And then, so the way the book is structured is it, and like each chapter ends with a story from my daughter, um, around how she applied that particular principle in her life. So one of the really cool stories uh, that she shares is um, in, I'm not trying, I forget which, which chapter it's in, um, but let's see. Oh yeah, so what like Dreamers Do, step seven. So remember, Dreamers Do is an acronym and step seven is uh, the R in Dreamers and that stands for risk. So one of the really fun stories that she shares about how she applied that in her life is, um, as I, as we've talked about, you know, she grew up at, uh, primarily at the Disneyland resort. And so what, from the time when she was about five, when she was about five years old until she was about 11, we would go watch the Aladdin, a musical spectacular at Disney's California adventure it was a, a Broadway style stage yeah, show. That, that was so amazing. Oh, oh it's phenomenal. That. Yeah. Yeah. That was our favorite thing to do for that whole time. And so she was raised at that show. Um, we'd probably seen that show over a hundred times. And uh, you know, so she 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 just fell in love with that show and she had the lines memorized and we got to know a lot of the cast. Um, and we would just go to that show, you know, every time we would like three days a week, sometimes one time we went to all four, like they had, like, they used to have four to five shows a day. We went to all shows in one day, one time. Um, so again, she knew that show by like, like the back of her hand. And, um, when she, so it was, and it was always her dream to kind of like be in like a play like that. She always wanted to do musical theater. And she just wasn't able to for scheduling reasons. But when she started seventh grade, I decided to uh, take her out and, and homeschool her for a couple of years. And so she got involved in musical theater. And uh, the perfect thing was our local musical theater uh, program was putting on Aladdin Jr. And so we just saw it as the stars aligning. And so she auditioned for that play and the cool, like her favorite one of her favorite characters in the actual Aladdin musical spectacular at uh, California Adventure was the carpet, oh, but okay. they didn't have the carpet in in the actual uh, play that she was in. Um, and ironically, as she was kind of going through the lines and going through the auditions, 
she wanted to play Aladdin. Yep. Which I remember that. Was, happened. I remember that. <laughs> you know, but she's a girl. So, you know, it was, you know, like what are the chances they're going right. to cast her as Aladdin? But, you know, we really talked about like just going for it and taking the risk. And so she tells a story about just a lot of the turmoil and the anxiety that she went through, but ultimately how she realized, you know, learning about Walt Disney and one of the biggest risks that Walt Disney took was when he uh, created Snow White. So she's familiar with the astounding story of like how Walt really took a risk on Snow White and then how he took a bigger risk even on when he was building Disneyland. And so she was inspired by that and ended up saying, you know what, I'm just going to take the risk and go for it. And so she was cast. She got it was her first time ever in musical theater. And she got cast as the lead in an opposite gender role. And she ended up getting a standing ovation <laughs> for her performance. And it was it was such a great life lesson for her that's a to great, yeah, overcome that great, her, her fears. Yeah. 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 That's what I liked. I liked I liked the fact that it, the way things are set up, because we also you learn a lot of personal things. Her little chapter at the end, always, there's always something there. And also we learn a little bit more about you, too, because she'll tell she'll tell how it is with you. Too. <laughs> um, but but it, it, it is it is pretty it's pretty cool. Yes. And, and, and I. Evan, one, I have to tell you something. I know you don't like Beauty and the Beast, but the best theatrical show that I've ever seen in a Disney park was the Aladdin. They used to, it used to be over near, right now where Guardians is in, in Hollywood Studios, right? Now, the theater was pretty close to that, right? If I remember yes. correctly. Yeah, right? it's at the Hyperion Theater. It was theater. so amazing. It was, it was like a real like Radio City Music Hall type theater. It was amazing. It was set up and it had the acoustics and, and, and pretty much any seat was good. And the show was beyond Broadway quality. So it's almost like That's awesome. you know, how we say Festival of the Lion King is, is Broadway quality. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that great, but it's Aladdin. And it, and and the genie was – I always remember the genie in that. It was <laughs> yeah. always phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was just beyond yeah. – uh, you, you, like, you, like, you couldn't top it. And when they said they were getting rid of it, I'm like, why? Why would you get rid of that amazing thing? But – they did. Oh, that would be yeah, awesome. They, repla- they replaced it with Frozen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which you know has its uh, its massive yes million yes. dollar appeal too. You know. Yeah, yeah. But I would love I would love the Aladdin show, and I like beauty. I don't mind beauty. Okay, to defend Beauty and the Beast, I love the music. And look, Alan Menken, he's a genius, and Paige O'Hara was great, and I I am a huge Disney music nut and i love the music in beauty and the beast i am just so anti staying outside of the park with a sign against not really beauty and the beast the live show at hollywood studios i just i don't know man it's just sitting outside sweating in the the the, the, the theater is designed the worst design ever for for to get a breeze in that place it's just like you go in there you walk right in and start sweating immediately yeah no but okay i gotta go back in time a little bit because jen said even though he made that uh, rancid comment about beating the beef stage show, <laughs> he he definitely made up for it in leaps and bounds by saying that a couple of their favorite attractions are Carousel of Progress and the People Mover. Yes, oh. yes, big time. He definitely made up for it there, though. He's a historian. Come on, we're all. I, I, could, didn't, reali- I didn't realize we are all kindred spirits. So you guys are yeah, fans of that. Those two, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's awesome. nothing. We know that there's nothing like Carousel of Progress. I mean, th- this was you know that's the the World's Fair. The, the 
the touch of Walt that is specific and unique to, to Florida. I mean, one of a few, but that is just, it's such a great, um, there's nothing fancy about it. I mean, but it's just, it's like, um, Americana nostalgia experience in the people mover. I mean, you get a diff- different ride every time. It should be called the people watcher. That's what <laughs> yeah. it should be called. But you know, we, we enjoy it, even though they've, they've gone through, they actually have a new narration playing right now. It, it came out a couple months ago, but it's still good. I, the people mover is great. Yeah. It goes through just, some stuff. You know, and funny, even know to ride they, it. they removed both of those rides from, from uh, Disneyland. And, and I know it, it's sad and they, I wish they were there, especially the people mover. It's a great park for the people mover, but I know they had to put things in and it, 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 the track was in the way and they had to move it. I always just thought they were going to go back and finish it because there are some remnants left of the track, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There, there are. There definitely are. And, and and I know the Avengers campus is right around where that was too. Um, but, you know, it, it, hopefully, maybe they'll put it back. Maybe, who knows? You never know, but. Well, they did a fifty percent reduction of the people mover after Thanos did a snap. So, but yeah, those I mean, those two attractions are so timeless because yeah, they have such great appeal still. But they, I mean, honestly, in terms of technology and everything, they are dated. But it doesn't matter. It's still a great big beautiful tomorrow, right? That's right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Great song. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so as we're kind of wrapping up here, you know, maybe a few more minutes or so. I, I want to do a couple of different things. One is, you know, getting your perspective on this as a, I don't even know what the psychology perspective of this would be, but you know, everyone's talking about the future of Disney and in particular, the Disney parks and where we see that going. We've seen some, you know, recent turmoil. And by no, this is just, you know, we, this is conversational fireside chat here. You know, this is (laughs) no like, you know, uh-huh. Hey, we're holding anybody to these things because we talk about this stuff all the time on the podcast. But where do you see the future of, you know, kind of the parks or, or Disney itself? You know, like I said, we had this shake up with the CEO recently. We've talked about that um, before. But like just in general, what are some of your thoughts on the future of Disney? Yeah, um, you know, I, I I'm just going to put it out there be, and confess that I've I've been you know, I've been pretty jaded lately. So that's the perspective that I'm coming that's from. Okay. Uh, you know, I, again, I was a pass holder for 15 years straight. And so I have that perspective. I've seen things like change continually over that time. Um, but going back to the psychology of the parks and the future of it, you know, uh, we'll see what happens now that they got Bob Iger back. But, you know, for me, I think definitely Disney continues to set the bar. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else like it. As you were talking about earlier, Evan, just everything with the branding and the storytelling, they definitely set the bar. I will say though, that there's a lot of people who feel like the magic is gone, uh, myself included. And I think one of the unfortunate reasons for that is because in my opinion, and I think you could probably even document this, though, it seems like what's driving all the decisions is finances. Mm. Um, and I think that is something that Walt never wanted to do. Uh, in fact, he said, we didn't go into Disneyland just with the idea of making money. I neither wish nor intend to amass a personal fortune. 
money was never Walt's motivation. Um, and I get it right now. It's, it's, it's a business. Uh, it's a multi-billion dollar business. And so money has, you have to take money into account, but Walt never made decisions based upon money. He made decisions based upon magic and then the money followed. And so I think in terms of the future, I think, you know, that's, that's, I, I think it's, it's gonna, you're gonna have to be very careful with that. Cause like I said, for me, unfortunately, the magic is gone in terms of, it just, it's just too complicated. That's why I, I actually gave up my annual pass. Mm. Um, and, and I'm saddened by it, honestly. Very so, interesting perspective. I, I wasn't expecting that, but I mean, that's the very, that's the true nature of what a lot of Disney people are in that space right now. A lot, I mean, and, and a lot of Disneyland people more, because again, the, the heart of the Disney community is the Disneyland community because of their, their, they spend such a percentage of their, their year at the park, way more than we do on the East coast, because we just don't have the opportunity. The fact that it's right there for you and you could, you could, you know, go, if you feel like going for an hour every day, you can go for an hour and go home and, you know, just like us going to the mall, you know, and you can go to the, you can go there. We can't do that. We don't have that opportunity. And then it becomes part of your life. And then when it gets hit, it bothers a lot more. And I, again, I, I have, a couple other friends that are from California have the same exact, they're jaded. They feel let down. You know, again, it, it's the love still there. It, it, it'll, you know, there are things that could probably easily bring it back. But right now at this point, we're at that pinnacle of where it's probably the worst it's ever been because of that. Now, hopefully we're going to see a change. Yeah, because it's not, I mean, it's not possible to go there anymore. Um, and, and I think that's what I'm saying in terms of the business model. Like it's not possible to go there as a, as a leisurely visit. And that's what was so magical because, you know, it's just being there. Like, and I don't, I could just like, when I, when I go there, I don't need to ride any rides even, you know, so the crowds don't like, if it's overcrowded, it doesn't bother me. It's just being in the park, Mm -hmm. but the way that they've changed everything with, like the parking and the parking fees and the like with the reservation system you you just can't you can't even it's not even possible to go there for a leisurely visit anymore and that's what i mean is i think they intentionally with all the new policies they don't want people to go there for a leisure, leisurely visit because you don't spend extra money there when you're going just as a leisurely uh, a visit jen that's a great uh, point i mean you know I've not really dug into or thought about the idea of how, and okay, before I say that, let me say that Orlando locals definitely spoke out against the reservation system, but I could only imagine how much more so it affects you and Disneyland locals. I mean, population Orlando locals versus California. Right. Big time. Yeah. And there's two parks versus four. The, The footprint is smaller, which we know the attraction counts larger in Disneyland versus magic kingdom and that kind of stuff. But I mean, still overall, the square footage is smaller. You have two parks. There's many, many more people in that greater area that is, essentially fighting for a reservation. Cause you look at someone like me who I live a little, a little under six hours from world and we probably go maybe three, four times a year, but anytime I want to go, I've never been wanting for a park reservation, but I also don't live locally. I mean, I live within driving distance of a day 
Yeah. Not a whole day, but you know what I mean. But anytime we plan for a vacation, there's always that reservation there if I want to. But there's also four parks and the footprint's larger. So, I mean, I've heard definitely of Orlando locals say that they've not been able to get into a park that they wanted to get into. And it's frustrating. And I, I bet it is, but even more so for you. So I definitely definitely understand that. Now I'm on the other side of the spectrum, which is I would love to be an annual pass holder, but I can't purchase one. So um, and that's been the case for a while now. And, and yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff and we've talked about it. And maybe one day we can get you back on, Jen, to just talk about, I, I'm the one, I'm the nerd. I, you know, I work in analytics, so I'm the nerd that likes to go deep into stuff and yeah, you know, Brian yeah. does too. So maybe we could talk about the psychology of the Disney parks one day and really kind of talk about some of those themes you know one day on on an episode that would be kind of fun for maybe four of our listeners but anyways um i'd be honored you know there's there's one there's definitely one question i want to ask and i've been it's kind of segues from what we just talked about but so let's just say that we're at a time where the the big three i don't know maybe they're not the big three but they're my big three um Walt, Roy, and and um, Iwerks are still hanging out. They're hanging out, yeah. other, eating breakfast, right, right. Because I, I know they're both they're all in your book, and they and and I love that that you give Roy enough credit because Roy, Roy definitely deserves a lot of credit. He doesn't get enough credit. That might be a good episode for us to have one time. Um, Roy yeah. Disney's that might, we could we could ask Jen there come to that. But um, in reality, so let's say they're sitting around having breakfast one day and they're talking about they're looking at the parks now. Now I'm not gonna. I don't care. Let's not talk about the, the you know the the problems that are going on with with Chapek and stuff. But I'm just saying the rides and what's there right now. Looking at the what's been you know what's there for the people and everything, food and rides and the resorts. What would they What would they say? What would you think they would say? And they probably would have three different perspectives. But like in your opinion, what do you think they would say? Ooh, Jen. You're yeah. Up. Good you know, luck. <laughs> I mean, I really. Because people all the time say, oh, Walt would turn over in his grave if he saw how it was these days. You know, I I don't like to I don't like to go down that route in terms of like speak for him per se. But I do think that I could reiterate his own words, because, um, again, I, I think I think Walt, you know, Roy, they, they, they certainly would have different perspectives. Roy and Ub would, would defer to Walt, though, because Walt yeah. was definitely the creator and the mastermind behind it all. Um, and again, I, I, you know, I think the reason why I feel the way I feel is because it, I, I think it's the way Walt would feel, you know, in terms of like me being a little jaded and disappointed with the way it's going. You know, again, for me, I'm sad. I wrote a whole book about it and I'm saddened by it. <laughs> Yeah. You know, because it, it is different. So, I mean, I think Walt would want to come back to the original foundation, the fundamentals of Disney, which is to really just bring it back to the magic. Because so many, you know, it, it, I think there's just a lot of cooks in the kitchen right now. And again, I think there's two things that are driving the Disney experience right now. It's money and agendas. Um, and I'm not going to get in, I, you know, whatever the agendas might be like, you know, not like, cause all, all the controversy over there in Florida and, you know, the controversy that, uh, between the, 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 the cast members and DeSantis yes. and all of that stuff. Right. Right. 
regardless of what your position is on it, the point is uh, Disney is trying to push a particular uh, philosophy, if you will. And I think they're, they're not focusing on just, you know, telling great stories. They're trying to mm-hmm. persuade people with particular messages. And if like, so, you know, Walt's original, that's what they tried to like, pe- the public tried to identify Mickey Mouse and like say that Mickey, like originally Mickey Mouse was like, that was his purpose. But Walt specifically said, this is why I say like Walt, I don't want to say what Walt would say, but I'll just repeat what he did say about Mickey Mouse. And I think we could extrapolate that to what he would say about the parks and even, you know, the films and everything. He said about Mickey Mouse, he said, we didn't burden him with any social symbolism. We made no mouthpiece for frustrations or harsh satire. Mickey was simply a little personality assigned to the purposes of laughter. So... You know, I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, forget about the money and even forget about the messages. Let's just create the magic. So what do you think what do you think we would say about the fact that we have uh, $30 popcorn buckets or people standing in line for four hours for a popcorn bucket? Like, like that kind of stuff to me, that would be one, like I would see him saying like that this, this is not why people come to my park. My people, right. people don't come to to any of my parks to stand in line for four or five hours to get a popcorn bucket. Right. That costs $30. Well, yeah. that's more of a, that's more of a reflection of, of the direction culture has, has went to that, that someone would willingly do that, but also Disney creating the space for that situation to happen. But Jen, you, that was, that was great. What you just said, um, because you're right. Disney has, whether you agree with it or not, or whatever, we don't talk politics on here, but Disney has definitely taken a political stance and, right. you know, any, any time a, a business gets into that, just because you're such a large pop culture icon, doesn't mean you have to step into that realm and take a stance on it. You know, anytime you step to either side of the aisle or whatever, you alienate the other side of your, your clients, your, your exactly. business. And you have a lot of people that, that do buy in and go and visit, because of, of their, their stance, but you have a lot of people that haven't and, and continue to turn away from that. So going back to what Walt said about Mickey could ring true for the direction that that Disney could go. And that doesn't mean, because we know that Walt was involved in, in politics. He, he was a pro-military. He was, um, you know, that was his personal life though, but he didn't make the Disney company fall into that same area. And now, you know, gosh, I could talk about this for hours, but, <laughs> you know, I read Bob Iger's book recently and what a great business strategy, man. But he, you know, he definitely believes things about politics too. And I think to an extent he is, I don't know if he's the one solely responsible for inter, intermingling some of this stuff, but he is a great business person, but there has to be a happy medium on, on that aspect. So Yes, you're right. Yeah. Without going too far down that that rabbit train, but we did talk about that a little bit on episode 92, which seems forever ago. It was called "What Would Walt Think?" Brian, you remember this? Where we so, acted yeah, like if it. we gave Walt a tour of the current Disney parks, what would he think? So we talked about that on that episode, and I think you know one thought is, say we go and sit Walt down like on Rise of the Resistance. I mean, he would just be floored. Of course, he would have cardiac arrest because of (laughs) what he was seeing. And 
you know, to have to explain to him what happened to Lucasfilms and all that stuff, but just at the modern marvel of what technology and immersion that would be, I think he would be proud of something like that. So I think some attractions he would be proud of, and that's probably one of them and other aspects, but you're right as the business of a whole, there would be some things that I think he would say, okay, my company needs, needs to get out of this. We need to get into this. We need to change this. We need to do that. I think you would definitely have some thoughts about those things. Yeah, I think I totally something agree. like Hub iWorks would be would be amazed also by the way the very you know what Imagineering is allowed to do now. I mean, there's there's so many different things that are in their in their realm that they couldn't do back then. There's so many different there's so many so many different things that an Imagineer has, how many, t- the tools that they have today are much more. Now, do they spend as much time in theming as they probably need to be, as they, or they probably did back then? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, Guardians is a great example of that. Now, Guardians, well, Guardians has a great pre-show, and the ride's amazing. Um, the hallway, to get into the ride, is pretty boring, you know? And I, 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 that, was, that was a little shocking to me. I, I was like, wow, this is something. I don't know. This is somebody didn't finish their job or something here. And, is that and the one the I, things that I definitely right. That's to me, that's uh, very interesting. Like that's the kind of stuff that I would say, you know, if I was an of iWorks or, or even a Walt, I would probably say, you know, I don't know. Now Roy would probably be go, Hey, that's good. You don't, you, you save some money by not doing extra stuff. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the cool thing. Like to me, that the conversation of those three at the table, you have a person that like Walt, who is kind of, involved in everything uh, Ub would probably be just care about how how the imagineering is going and roy kind of only cares about the money I mean, he, he does care about other things too because as you could tell later in life he he did spend a lot of time outside of the the realm of finance but um the two the, the conversation had to has to be an amazing conversation between the three of them because they all have different values of what they wanted they want to see yeah yeah i don't know if the three of them would be as interesting as the three of us though <laughs> oh yeah, we are way, way more interesting. Yes, and and would like White Castle and Taco Bell way more than Walt. <laughs> no, but um, all right. So we're wrapping up here. I, I like to do this with guests sometimes. I'm going to throw a curveball, and I like to do like a, a rapid fire, just a just a top five rapid fire, Jen. And we're gonna we'll talk Walt Disney World, and then if you want to mention, I'll tell you what you mentioned World and then Land about the five little quick rapid fires i'm gonna i'm gonna throw at you okay so the okay. first is favorite disney rider attraction world and land splash mountain disneyland okay um disney world uh, american adventure oh gosh Ooh, there you go. i love you man yeah. oh I, oh uh, you listen you can tell you listen well, well, tell me that reaction it's funny because American Adventure, that's another one. It's it's kind of esoteric. And a lot of people, like, that is actually my favorite attraction in all four parks. I just love going to that show. And it's so amazing. I just sitting in the theater. Like, the theater itself is beautiful. Uh, I love the Voices of Liberty pre-show. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. And the animatronics. Man, the animatronics look, are, are top-notch. Yes. Oh, gosh. Get out I, of my brain, Jen. Yeah, there details. you go. Just get out of my brain, okay? Like I, I think one of the only I – mean, I trade pins because I went on eBay. I got a big bulk bag of pins, you know, and I trade those and stuff. But it has to be a really good pin for me to to want to buy it. And I think one of the – I think I maybe only bought like three or four 
pins. And one of my favorite ones was an American Adventure pin. That is also oh, my so favorite cool. Epcot attraction. Uh, oh, that's I, so cool. I love American Adventure. I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. And Brian will tell you, and my wife will tell you how much I talk about it. It's just so good. But anyways... Uh, Correct answer. There, I would say there's all no correct right. answer, but that one was a correct answer. So, yes. all right. How about favorite snack at World and Land? Uh, favorite snack at World and Land would be the Dole Whip float. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Both of them. I got you. So, so restaurant World and Land. Restaurant World and Land. Um, so in the book, uh, my daughter puts me on blast a little bit because <laughs> – I'm very frugal, so I don't really, I don't really eat a whole lot at the parks. We usually do the quick service, or I mean, because we've been there so many times. But I will say, um, I did. I mean, I, I at Disneyland there is, uh, you know, the the chicken dinner on Main Street is phenomenal. Um, oh, at the Plaza, the, the, the Plaza. The, yeah, the Plaza, the Plaza Inn, yeah, terrific, at, terrific, at yeah. It's a very and, different plaza than Ma- Magic Kingdom. Evan. Yeah, very, very. Yeah, different. I, w- I can tell. Yeah, just different yeah. Um, you know, Disney World. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it's usually quick service restaurants. Right. I understand that. So, what's your favorite quick service? Come on. Hmm. I'm trying to think, man. I I mean, I don't have an actual favorite quick service because I also factor in the price. But my, yep. I will say, my daughter, she really loves the. Uh, the, the the one in Pandora. Okay. Yeah. Satuli Canteen. Yep. Yes. Satuli Canteen. That one's good. It was, that's a great one for a quick service. Yeah. Um, those little know. jelly balls that they serve with the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Those, those that's good. Really good. Satuli Canteen's really good. Um, that's that's one of my favorites too. All right. Um, two more resort, which you know Disneyland's a lot. No. I'm, Epcot all the way. Oh, that's park. I'm talking about resort. Oh, resort. Um, well, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean by resort? Like the hotel. Whole... Like hotel, hotel, hotel. Um, I want to say Grand Floridian just because it's the Grand Floridian. I like the Christmas decorations there. Oh, it's okay. beautiful. Yep. Yeah. And I guess you only have three to choose from at Disneyland. So, oh, at Disneyland, <laughs> uh, Grand Californian. It is really? Awesome. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but I, I mean, I've never stayed at any of the resorts, okay. but the Grand California, uh, you know, in terms of like hanging out there, uh, we, we really like how it just connects to California Adventure. Right. And I walk straight into it. And okay. it's got a beautiful yeah. lobby. Yeah, the lobby is amazing there. Yeah. You did lead into my last one, which is favorite park. So do you like Disneyland or DCA better? And then what's your favorite? You already said Epcot. So we know that one. Yeah. You know what? Epcot hands down all around. Uh, I mean, originally it was like Disneyland is nostalgic, but I do love the Florida resorts uh, more. They grew on me. Um, and, and yeah, Epcot, something very magical about Epcot to me, the original, you know, experimental prototype community of the morrow. And I agree. It's our favorite park, too. It's, it's the park. Yeah, official park. favorite park of the podcast. So. Yes. All right. Well, we'll um, we'll pay you later for saying all the right answers. Uh, <laughs> awesome. No. <laughs> thank you. No, but we 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 thank you so much, Jim, for being on, and definitely check out Jen's book. It's called Dreamers Do: Walt Disney's Ten Steps to Making Your Dreams Come True. You can find it on Amazon. Pretty much anywhere you can get books, right? Uh, right now it's actually just on Amazon. Is it just uh, on Amazon? Okay. Well, cool. That's yeah. that's easy. We'll, we all know we'll how to get the links. There. We'll post we'll post some pictures too on our site. 
Cool. Yep. And how outside of the book is, you know, socials or website or anything like that for people to find you at? Uh, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, on tw- and Twitter. I mean, Dream with Dr. Ono or Dream with Drano. Uh, you know, I haven't been on there a whole lot lately. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I, I have active profiles. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Brian, closing thoughts? No, I really appreciate Jen. I, I, I you know, man, I, I, I'm glad, I'm glad I met you. You're, you're an amazing guy. I wish we lived closer because we hang out more, but, um, but either way, <laughs> thank you so much yeah. for coming on, man. I, I really, um, I had a great time with you hanging out. Um, we were, we were at, at the thing and which, which, you know, as you can say that we had an amazing time at the conference. It was, it was tremendous. We met some amazing people and Jen's one of the, the ones I met that, that I think, uh, I click with very well. So thank you I so do. much again. I appreciate it for coming on and we'll, and we'll talk soon. All right. Happy New Year, you guys. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, Jen. All right, everyone. And you can listen to us on anywhere you listen to podcasts. So pretty much Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Pandora, iHeartRadio. I'm just naming some that I've seen it on. Um, So anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. It would really help us a lot if you would rate and review the show. Just leave us a rating. uh, Leave us a review. It would help our community grow. You can find us in the Facebook group, A Spoonful of Podcast Spoonie Nation. That's probably where we're the most active and we want to interact with you. So come and join our Facebook group. We're also on Instagram and Twitter. Finally, you can email us info at a spoonful of podcast.com. So without further ado, broadcasting from the backside of water. Until next time, we'll see you then. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to A Spoonful of Podcast. You can find show notes, ways to follow us on social media, and all episodes on a aspoonfulofpodcast.com. Now that you've experienced the magic, it's time for the most dangerous part of our podcast, the return to civilization. Yeah.